And welcome to Overtime on the Ice. I'm Jenna Harner, joined by Phil Bork and Dane Kovacevic. Guys, it's a good thing. We are talking about winning hockey. We're talking about the Penguins winning games, games that they really need to win with the fact that every game and all the points are so crucial this yeah. season. But their win against the Islanders on Thursday night really really big and it started with a guy in the net that really came up big a performance from Tristan Jari we haven't entirely seen this season but definitely an impressive one Dan uh, you know I, I couldn't have been more impressed and I couldn't have been more impressed in particular in the transformation from Tuesday to Thursday I know the numbers looked good on Tuesday uh, with 39 out of 42 but I also know that he was still way back in the net he was still pensive when he'd come out of the crease to play the puck uh, to attack the shooter all of that Jenna all of it changed not not a little bit all of it uh, how why I don't know I did ask him after the game I got nothing remotely close to an answer that would help us because to, in his eyes I think everything's just been kind of okay all along I'd like to think this is naive but I'd like to think that it had to do with Ron Hextall being up there watching him <laughs> and that at some point or other that Tristan Jari would have been filled in on how Ron Hextall used to play the position of goaltender. Borky, what are your thoughts just, you know, with okay, kind of what Dan said, Tuesday to Thursday, kind of two different games for Jari. Yeah, Jenna, I have a pretty good idea of how Tristan's going to play in the first four or five minutes. His body language, his confidence, his positioning, his rebound control. And that game on Thursday night looked more like the Tristan Jari that we fell in love with last year that became an all-star last year and he looked big in the net you heard me on this show talk about him going down too early exposing things upstairs mm -hmm. well that last game he was upright his shoulders were upright pucks were hitting him in the shoulder and he was controlling his rebound also the way he plays the puck he's exceptional but there's a certain confidence that he has with the puck that exudes confidence throughout his game and for somebody who sat on the bench before and watched the goaltender be wonky or not so sure of himself I'm not so sure of myself when I jump over the board, but when hmm. my goaltender is oozing confidence in that blue paint, it helps me use confidence and helps me to be a better player. And we heard Mike Sullivan talk about that after the game, just the fact that when Jari's playing well, you can really see the team respond. You can see those guys, you know, rise up even more than they already were to the challenge. Looking at defense, there's a lot to talk about. We can touch on Cody Cece, we can touch on Mike Matheson, we can touch on the fact that there's a lot of guys that were injury plagued that are getting back on the ice. Dan, I'll just start with you on this one. I mean, Mike Matheson and Cody Cece, I know a lot of people when the trades happened that brought them to Pittsburgh were questioning these and right now we've seen a lot of good things from these two players. Well, let's start by giving some credit here to, to the old man, uh, Jim Rutherford brought these guys in as depth that I think a lot of people felt was unneeded depth because you were shoving Yuso Ricola even lower onto the depth chart and basically making sure that Chad Ruedel would never ever play well of course and then everybody gets hurt and then you see everybody come in and play to their credit Matheson has come in and I, I don't know what that was on Thursday night if he could do that on a consistent basis we're talking about this Penguins team in a totally different context I'm not sure that he can uh, but he was very good, and he's been good from an advanced metric standpoint since he's been here. Cody Cece is interesting because this was a first-round pick, 15th overall in the draft, and Ottawa and Toronto were kind of using that 
as their guide. So they played him 24, 25 minutes a game against the other team's top pairing. Not every defenseman in the National Hockey League is equipped for that. CeCe's a third-pairing guy here in Pittsburgh, and he's been good, solid, sound. I, I've been very happy with both of these guys. And both of their offensive abilities, too, have been something noticeable on the ice these last handful of games here. Borky, we're seeing guys kind of get back to Yuso Rikula skating today with a non-contact jersey. We saw, um, we're seeing some of the guys come back getting on the ice, Dumoulin skating, Ruedel skating, obviously. You know, this is definitely something that's optimistic moving forward, considering where this team was, you know, a couple weeks ago. Oh, Jenna, things are going to get real interesting <laughs> on this show and for Mike Sullivan because once Brian Dumoulin comes back, the way P.O. Joseph is playing and the way that Marcus Patterson is playing, and now you see Mike Matheson, the mm -hmm. Mike Matheson we thought we were going to get, who comes out? I don't have an answer. i gotta, I got to really put my brain to this. I'm not sure who should come out of the lineup. Should P.O. Joseph come out just because he's low man on the totem pole as far as experience? I don't think that's fair. Yeah. But if Mike Matheson is going to play anything like he played Thursday night against the New York Islanders, there's no way you take him out of the lineup. Mm. So it's going to get really interesting. Just a real quick also on Cody Cece. He also has elevated his play where he's a bit of a Chad Ruedel, right? Where he's just, he's constant, he's consistent. Uh, he'll jump up on the play. He'll create some offense, but he seems to be a safe player. And if you're going to be that number six defenseman, and that's okay if you're number six, there's no knock. But your coach wants to sleep good at night thinking, I don't have to worry about that guy. He's not going to make mistakes. He's not going to lose the game for us. So the Penguins are in very good hands, but man, it's going to get interesting when everybody gets healthy. Hey, one other option, Phil. Make a trade. Ooh. Mm -hmm. There it is, the T word. Yep. It's just, it, it, it's so exciting to see what could come in these next handful of weeks here, depending on how things shake out, including the standings, which are just so tight right now in the East Division. We expected this. We figured this was going to be the case. But the fact that the Penguins are playing, they're finishing off the series with the Islanders, then they play two, at the cap, two against the Caps, two against New York again, then you see Philly, then you see the Rangers. This is a really telling stretch, and I feel like it's crazy to say, but by the end of this stretch here, even against Philly, against the Rangers, we're going to have a pretty clear picture of where this team is in regards to those standings, and it feels wild to say, but we're already past the quarter pole here in the season. I mean, Borky, just how important are these games, obviously? They're, they're huge, and it's, it just feels good after winning that game and winning two of the last three uh, and where we are in the standings, are we in a playoff spot? No, but we're within striking uh, distance of Philly, of Washington, of the New York Islanders. That's where you want to be. And also Boston doesn't seem so far away. But if you lose two or three at this point to teams right ahead of you, all of a sudden you're feeling doom and gloom. You feel a little tightness in your chest. You're squeezing your stick a little bit tighter. So these games are absolutely huge coming up against the Islanders, against Washington. Islanders again, your first back-to-back -back situation will be at the end of the month. And so you don't get any break. Don't think that you're playing against the New York Rangers or the Buffalo Sabres or the New Jersey <coughs> Devils are going to be snoozers. These teams are given, look at New Jersey went into Boston the other night yeah, and beat did. the Bruins. Mm -hmm. So there's no easy games, even though these teams look like they're a little inferior uh, when you look at the lineup compared to the Penguins. It's, it's just going to be crazy, but you just cannot, at this point of the, uh, where you are in the standings, you cannot go on a three, a game, three or four-game slide. One more point, Penguins need to be better on the road. They've only won two games on the road. They're great at home, but they got to get up over 500 on the road. Which is nuts considering there's no humans at most of these games. You know, yeah. uh, I'll tell you what, Jenna, I, I look at these next handful of games here. You mentioned Capitals and Islanders, Capitals and Islanders. But then comes March, 
they're playing 16 games thanks to the devil's COVID thing and all the schedule being rearranged. I don't know that I had ever heard before this past week Mike Sullivan reference being braced in advance for a tough stretch, but he brought it up. He said, we're going to need all four lines to rotate. We're going to need the Teddy Bluger line to be two-way productive because we're going to need guys to score goals off of that line in the fourth line. He even mentioned that the second defensive pairing could end up with more ice time than the first defensive pairing on a given night. That is totally without precedent in the Sullivan era, but that's what he's bracing for. I really think that March is going to be what determines how this team goes and the Penguins' application of the depth that they have. Yeah, just the fact with all of those game games getting rescheduled, how condensed it is. You thought it was condensed before? Mm -hmm. Well, once we get to March, it's going to be a wild ride for sure. Well, thank you both for joining us, and thank you for joining us on Overtime on the Ice.